This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Mark Blunden and this is The Leader. In a round of pre-budget interviews, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Jeremy Hunt's been saying he wants to break down barriers to work as more than half a million people have disappeared from the UK workforce since the COVID-19 pandemic. The Chancellor also says economic inactivity will be a central part of his tax and spending plans in what's been dubbed the back-to-work budget. So what's been revealed in the build-up to Hunt's announcement due at 12.30pm on Wednesday? The Leader Podcast's been rounding up what we know so far. There are likely to be major announcements on fuel bills and people's pension pot allowances. But what about the price of a pint? And what's the situation with tax cuts? Conservatives cut taxes when they can. But we also have to be responsible with public finances. It's it's very important uh, that we remember that businesses need stability. That was the Chancellor speaking to BBC One's Laura Koonsberg to examine how the country's finances stand ahead of Hunt's first budget since becoming Chancellor. We're joined by Dr James Meadway, a council member at the Progressive Economy Forum and an economic policy advisor to Labour during John McDonnell's years as Shadow Chancellor. James, what do we know so far? This one has been very low-key. There's been other announcements this week on the integrated review, on nuclear submarines, lots of things crowding it out. But what we have seen so so far, uh, the offer of some additional support for businesses uh, around capital allowances. And then this morning, potentially some changes also to how pensions and taxes on pensions are calculated. These seem to be the two big things. There's also some word about maybe some um, some offer of support for semiconductor manufacturers. And most likely, I think we'll see some defence spending increases in this budget. We can expect something major on pensions. What we know at the minute is, is that the government has uh, a very significant concern with early retirement and economic inactivity and people choosing not to work in some cases. We have to say, by the way, that a lot of the reason that there's been this very big half million person increase in economic inactivity, in other words, just not looking for work, not actively in work, but dropping out of the labour market since the pandemic large part of that is actually due to long-term sickness, but a big part of it is also the bit that isn't sickness is due to early retirement. So people over the age of 50 deciding that, you know, this is the time for them to decide not to work. They've contributed all their life and they're going to kick back and enjoy it. From the government's point of view, it's a problem because that can tend to have an impact, at least as far as their economic models go, on economic growth. And of course, if you then look over to the NHS, you start to think, well, we do have 
130,000 staff shortage in total in the NHS. We don't actually need people to carry on working for this institution if we want it to carry on functioning. So things like doctors, many of whom have been saying for a while that the way that their pensions are taxed gives them a bit of incentive to actually take early retirement. That's one of the things that the government is saying this morning ahead of the budget is going to take a look at. So it's going to change some of the, the rules on lifetime allowances and how pensions are taxed once you come to retirement itself as a way of encouraging people to work longer and so contribute longer into their pension. Pots. How about help with energy bills? That's something that also seems fairly likely, given the sort of leaks and rumours around uh, what the government's been planning or thinking about, which is that the energy uh, price guarantee, the cap, uh, supposedly, I mean, lots of people may think it's not a very effective cap because my bill's gone up so much, but nonetheless, it's capped bills, typical bill at £2,500 in operation from last October. Really quite expensive for the government at the time, but what's happened internationally is wholesale prices for gas in particular have come down a great deal. So the cost of operating that cap has actually reduced as far as the government is concerned, and they're quite likely to extend it. So there was some talk of increasing the typical bill to, to a rather astonishing £3,000 a year. It looks like they're going to hold that at £2,500 a year, still very much higher than it was, I'm afraid, but it looks like they're going to hold that there for at least another three to six months or so. So there's going to be some at least bit of support on this, but I'm afraid to say it's not necessarily going to lead to instant reductions in anybody's bills. Any hope of cutting the price of a pint of beer. There could be. I mean, there's two sides to that. Uh, you might well have seen that the, the rate of pub and bar closure right now is, is reaching sort of record levels because like lots of small businesses, they're very squeezed by very high energy costs. I mean, really high. And there's not much protection necessarily if you're a small business on one side. And of course, the fact that everything's so expensive that people just don't have as much money to spend. And if you go to the pub, it's expensive to do this relative to what it was uh, some time ago. So the Industry Association has certainly asked for more support there both on energy costs. Potentially, Jeremy Hunt might decide that given that some of the short-term figures from the Office of Budget Responsibility, uh, from the official bodies that keep an eye on the public finances, some of those figures might look better than they were expected to be back in autumn, back in November, when he was last making this sort of statement. He might decide to use some part of that to, for instance, freeze tax rises and, and reduce some of the costs involved there. He may well have around about £30 billion more than he was anticipating uh, to play with. Let's go to the ads. Coming up, politicking and looking ahead towards the next election. Why not hit rate and follow in the meantime? Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. James, how is the national deficit looking? This is one of those things that, that in many ways has less to do with the government and, and more to do with what's happening in the wider economy in terms of what happens to, to the deficit. Obviously, during coronavirus, there was this big increase in government borrowing, government spending. That's what we had to do to get through those first sort of terrible years of the thing. That's paying for furlough, paying for the NHS, paying for everything involved. That involved a lot of borrowing. Um, what we've seen since then is some presentation by government for its various plans to, as it would see it, bring the deficit back under control by a return to spending cuts uh, 
plan for you know, after 2024, not coincidentally uh, after the, the election is supposed to be happening. What's happening right now is that whatever the government has been doing, the Office of Budget Responsibility looks like it's going to say that tax returns, particularly from small businesses, have been higher than anticipated, that things have been a little bit better in the short term than it expected. So he's going to get a bit more money relative to his own targets for reducing the debt and the deficit than he expected. And that is likely to give him a bit more money to, to play around with. What's your view on why Jeremy Hunt's been reasonably low-key since he took over at number 11? I mean, I think that's both sort of by personal inclination, I'd say, but but also by, by design. Jeremy Hunt wants to present himself as a, as a figure of stability, a, a calming voice, uh, somebody who isn't. Unlike some chances we've seen in the past, I mean, George Osborne was quite, in some senses, a showman. He used to love these occasions to talk to everybody, uh, pull a rabbit out of the hat, some surprise at the end of the budget, which sometimes may or may not work, but that's what he'd like to do. Big opportunity for him to present himself to the nation. Jeremy Hunt, I don't think, is like that. And I think this is a deliberate political decision to sort of keep this as low-key as possible. And how is he playing this in terms of the longer-term picture? Even if... In the short term, things look a bit better in this budget than perhaps it looked in the autumn. If we go and dig out the official forecast, they're probably going to look a bit better in the short term than previously. The long term picture actually remains not very good. So it's not something you necessarily want to stand up and sing and song and dance about and make a big old fuss about, particularly when you also. So no, and this is the real political calculation, that there's likely to be an election probably the end of next year, October 2024, let's say. With that in mind, you don't necessarily want to make a fuss now because you might well be thinking, well, we're going to have another budget early next year. And that might well be the time I want to keep something in my back pocket for a bit of a sneaky pre-election tax cut. With the huge deficit, fuel crisis and public sector strikes, why aren't Labour landing some significant body blows against the government? Difficulty for Labour with this particular budget, I think it's just been so quiet and so sort of battened down the hatches and we're not going to talk about this. We've spent the week beforehand talking about almost anything other than the fact that the, the budget is there from you know Gary Lineker to nuclear submarines. It's been everything else. So it's difficult to sort of pick a target at that point. I think Labour's general principle of saying that what we had under the Conservatives, which is a decade of quite severe spending cuts, things that really sort of hurt lots of some of the poorest in society, but also hit how the whole economy functions. Total cost of this now looks like about half a trillion pounds taken out of public services over that decade. That's the kind of line that you'd anticipate Labour to try and line up. The difficulty for them, of course, is that once you start saying, well, maybe we should be spending some money, more money, people start to say, well, where's this money going to come from? And then you've got a conversation that perhaps this Labour leadership aren't so keen on about, well, what about more borrowing? And what about some more tax increases? And that might be why also why they don't necessarily want to make such a song and dance about anything this time. Finally, what's your view on how the Conservatives will be spinning the optics of this budget going forward to the next election? If you have Rishi Sunak saying, oh, we're going to halve inflation by the end of this year, and by the way, the Bank of England forecasts are for inflation to halve anyway by the end of this year, but you set it up so you can take the credit. That's one part of what you do. If you're making sure that you're not making really big promises about the economy, Jeremy Hunt is sticking to a message of this is going to be difficult, and then of course you're managing the expectations about what might happen here, you can start to manage what is actually quite a poor economy. And by the way, quite a poor economy because of decisions. It has to be said, if you've been in government for well over a decade, they land on you that we're in a poor economy because of those decisions taken about austerity, about cuts to capital investment and all the rest of it. That if you say, okay, well, things are going to get a bit better, maybe, but you know, this is going to be 
steadying the ship steady as she goes. That's what you do in the economy. And then you make sure everybody just talks about something else instead, whether it's small boats or Gary Lineker or whatever it might be this week. You try and keep the economy out of the way as something people are going to focus on when you know that the news is actually going to stay pretty bad for the foreseeable future. There's more on this story in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. That's The Leader. We're back on Wednesday at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.